The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good morning, everyone. Usually we record this in the evening, but it is morning. It is Saturday, September 29th. I am your host, Austin Bristol II, and I'm here today with Dave Sherman. Dave, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, You know, feeling rested. It's a Saturday morning, and there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than podcasting. Man, it feels good to get back on the mic. It's been a little bit. We had to push it back a couple days, but you know what? I'm ready to go. Got a great night's sleep. Let's get to it. So, for those of you who have not joined us yet on the list, each week I will be joined by a writer from our Pitcherless staff. We talk baseball, we'll talk about what they've been writing recently, and we'll do a little mailbag session where we answer your questions. You can send those questions to us by email at community at pitcherless.com, or you can send them directly to myself on Twitter. I am at Bristowski. Dave, are you on Twitter, my friend? I am. I do not have a fun nickname, though, and it's very simple, just at Dave Sherman. You know what? Uh, I've been discussing this over the past few episodes. The simpler ones are usually the better ones. Uh, I I guess that's fair. Easier to find you, easier for you to say it on the air. Uh, Go ask your co-host, Mr. Metzelar, to say his out loud. It's a fun time. Oh, you know, he's very proud of Johnny Baseball. Oh, John underscore E underscore. <laughs> oh, Metzler. So, <laughs> we may as well just get on into it, man. So Let's do it. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, we, we got to wrap this up. I got a, uh, a pitcher list meetup to get to in a couple hours. Man, I am so bummed that I live hours away from New York City. <laughs> you know, it, it just speaks to your dedication, though, that you're not going to be there. And, and I recognize that. <laughs> you just aren't that invested, Austin. It's okay. Oh, my. Shoot. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. I've got to get, you know, if we end up, you know, moving towards the uh, New England area, maybe I'll make it there someday. But right now, as it is, I am in central Illinois, and that is much too far of a drive, and I am much too broke to buy a plane ticket. Fair enough. Hey, Nick, 
Let, let's up those pitcher list salaries so we can get Austin to New York. There we go. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, man. So what we're going to do here is I, we started off, keep it really open-ended. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Ooh, oh, that's such a fun question. Ah, well, I'm from all over the U.S. I've lived in New York, in Southern California. I've spent every summer of my life in Colorado. So I have fandoms kind of all over the country. I'm a Yankee fan, uh, but I also have a soft spot in my heart for the Rockies. Shout out Rockies clinching the playoff spot last night. Yeah. So excited. I really want them to come out of the National League. They're so much fun. Uh, Hashtag Rocktober. (laughs) <laughs> very exciting and i also have a oh yeah they're so much fun and then i have a soft spot in my heart for the padres also because they're just so terrible <laughs> they're that team that you can't hate the padres because they've never done anything oh that's that's very true <laughs> i know it's 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 harsh but what are you gonna hate them for fair enough exactly exactly yeah. so yeah i, I so I have fandoms all over, and uh, so, the, okay, a little bit about me. So now I am in a uh, legal master's program at NYU in New York, finished my uh, Juris Doctor, my law degree in May, and I'm awaiting the results of the bar exam to see if I will become a full-fledged lawyer. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, that's... Man. I know my my life is very frightening. <laughs> I briefly considered a stint in law school. Um, I went into my undergraduate career as a pre law major, who did not last for a semester. Uh, switched to <laughs> switched my major before the end of my first semester. Uh, found took a couple of law classes in my undergrad. Found out that it was not for me. So uh, props to you. Ah, well, I wish I had figured it out as quickly as you did. I sure hope that is not a, uh, (laughs) a, uh, you know, omen of things to come. (laughs) It's it's a little sarcasm. Sure, I got you. You kind of have to be at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's it's funny. When I I told my family that I was... uh, doing another year of education my brother's first words were like you're going into more debt (laughs) like thanks yeah i got into the number one program of its kind in the world but yeah thanks yep that's that's what i'm doing all right yeah thanks bro (laughs) appreciate the love oh man that's good stuff i mean hey what's family for right (laughs) yeah well i mean he dropped out of college and now is extremely successful so he just doesn't see college or any education as useful as you so. do my uh so quick tangent my father um went to college uh studying to be a radio host like a uh it was um broadcasting he's studying broadcasting um okay. and i think he made it to his senior year of college and then decided, nope, dropping out senior year. He then um, found bold a, strategy. Got bold strategy. Let's see if it pays off for him. So, <laughs> spoiler, it does. Um, 
he <laughs> finds a uh, he finds an ad in the paper for a uh, open position in the Pontiac Police Department. He goes to Goodwill, buys himself a polo and some slacks because he doesn't own any like decent clothes to look professional in. Goes in, g- grabs the application, goes fills it out, gr- buys another shirt because he doesn't want to wear the same one he wore to turn it in. Ends up getting the position. He's a police officer for 14 years. Then he goes into teaching. He takes up a spot teaching um, law enforcement at the high school level. Then goes back at age like 40 or 41, something like that, and finishes his undergraduate degree because his mother on her deathbed made him promise to do that. Ouch. Well, all right. That'll do it. Savage, mom. Absolutely. He now he then went back and got his masters in educational administration so he could be like a principal and stuff now. Good for him. So but the bull strategy did pay off indeed. <laughs> My dad's lived a weird life, but uh <laughs> he's rocking it. All right, so uh, more on the fantasy side of things. How many fantasy leagues do you play in? What's your favorite type, etc.? So I play in three fantasy baseball leagues right now. And I played it a lot growing up. And then I kind of fell out of it for a few years. And then I had a, a family friend say, like, send me a text like hey i know you like baseball this was back in i want to say 2012 or t- and he's like we have an opening in fantasy baseball league i'm like oh i have not played in years okay i'll give this a shot and it was a uh, i had only done you know standard categories leagues and this was a, a points league and I had to completely change the way I was approaching it. I should mention the scoring system in this league was absolutely atrocious to the point where the I would say like the top 50 hitters were all more valuable than Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> it was it was absolutely terrible. Good. But I fell in love with that kind of scoring format. And since since that point, the only non-points league I've done is the pitcherless staff league this year that I came in fifth place. Nice. So I've I've fallen in love with points leagues because you can account for pretty much everything. In your standard five by five, let's even replace average with on base percentage and wins with quality starts, because my biggest gripe with the standard five by five is walks mean nothing and i think walks is such a valuable part of a player's toolbox you know the ability to get on base via walk but you know a a double is more valuable than a single a triple is more valuable than a double and your typical five by five even with on base percentage isn't capturing that unless you're adding another category for slugging percentage or total bases or something like that you know, I I just like that you can have everything accounted for. I mean, on the pitcher side of things, we have a negative for hit by pitch for walking a guy versus a hit. There's different values. So I just like the I feel like you're getting a more accurate picture 
of a guy's value, even if there's a little bit less strategy at play. So sounds like you would be a big fan of like the fan graphs. I think it's auto new is how you pronounce that. Is it? I don't know how you pronounce it, honestly. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my best guess. But in there, they've got this weird, funky point system where like a single's worth like 3.8 points or something like that. They've done all the math to figure out what each uh, like outcome is worth you know, like mm-hmm. mathematically, and they've broken it all down. And apparently, I've not played it before, but apparently it is the most accurate point system according to everyone that plays it. I've not heard of most anyone that plays auto new and doesn't love it. All right. I'll have to check it out because my, so I have uh, my home keeper league is points and my co-commissioner and I uh, decided that we want to revisit our scoring system in the off season to try and, try and address the discrepancy in elite starting pitchers and average starting pitchers. Because it gets to a point when you're in July and August and you could find a good bat off the waiver wire. Like we're a 10 team league and someone like Andrelton Simmons is sitting there as a free agent, but you could not get a good starting pitcher anywhere. The best one might have been Edwin Jackson or Trevor Cahill or something like that. And that's I, – I don't think that is the best for the sake of the league. So maybe I'll look into Atnu scoring and maybe that can help us. But, yeah, I've heard good things from everyone who plays it. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I've I played points a long time. That's what my, my home league is, points. Um, but personally, I just love the, the strategy behind um, categories because – you can't just get a bunch of guys that slug because I don't. In my points league, basically, it's very, it's very, very hitter friendly. And if you have a slugger that never steals a base, you're fine. But in categories, you can have all those sluggers and everything, but you'll still lose stolen bases. So I don't know. I just like the, I feel I like the strategy of uh, categories, especially head to head categories for me. No, it totally makes sense. You could have an eight to two lead. And that means nothing if six of those categories are separated by one run, one home run, or 0.1 ERA. So the lead doesn't feel very strong. You could have a 6-4 lead that feels much stronger than a 10 nothing lead. Uh, it, definitely there's a lot more strategy. You have to really think about roster balance as you're drafting. You're getting a good variety of guys. Not true in points leagues. You're just going for pure upside sure. with with almost every pick. You just want to maximize the total points you'll get by the end of the season, basically. Exactly. So in a sense, it's easier than categories leagues, but I have more fun with it. Sure. The, tr- the real trick with any points league is to know your uh, point system like the back of your hand. You have to know... Mm-hmm. Who is going to be valuable? Who who is a good player but isn't necessarily valuable in this league? Um, I was helping one of my friends. She wanted to play fantasy baseball. She knows nothing about baseball, um, but she had heard me talking about it all the time. Was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna do my best. So I was helping her set up a league. We found this like uh, we found this one. I think we got it, found it on Reddit. Um, 
eight-team points league. Uh, they were doing it just for fun. They needed a couple people to fill in, so they turned to Reddit. So we got her a position in there. And I ch- was checking out the point system, and oh my god, it was atrocious. Um, I think I remember you talking about this back in the Slack days. Yeah. That, like, no one was looking at the projected points totals in the Yahoo draft lobby, and she was just making a killing based on their scoring system. Correct. Yeah. She and I sat down and looked at the scoring system, and it was basically elite starting pitching was the way to go. So I think her first three picks were Kluber, Sale, Verlander, and then we got hitters. Okay. I think she ended up doing pretty well, despite knowing nothing about baseball, simply because she drafted fantastically because we understood the scoring system. Yeah. So that's, oh, that can make all the difference. Yeah, I in any points league, first thing I will do is to sit down and check out the scoring system, see if I can figure out who will be uh, the projected, you know, best players, and go from there. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's absolutely essential, and I think I've mastered it because I won my home points league this year for the first time. A league that I started, I finally won it. Yes. There we go. Atta boy. Yeah. Flags fly forever. It's I, I kind of had to. My team was the juggernaut that just would fall apart every year. Like I, I came into the finals this year with Gary Sanchez, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Rendon, Bogarts, Trout, Harper, Yelich, uh, Mondesi, uh, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bueller, Flaherty. Like, if I lost, something was just wrong. My God. I I mean, I sold basically every draft pick I had for next year to put that team together, but it's worth it to take home first place. Oh, that's all you need. I have won my home league a single time um, back in 2014. I will never forget. I should have won it this year but because I, I was in the lead all year. By far the most total points scored. Uh, but, hey, man, head-to-head playoffs anything can happen my dad did end up beating me in the semis is what it is it it hurts when it's family oh man he didn't even win the thing like Uh. he got to the finals (laughs) and he got beat by his childhood best friend so now we're gonna have to hear about that for like a year (laughs) see i i think you know the the league that i won is for money but the fact that it's between friends, the bragging rights are worth so, so much, much more than money. Like I, my favorite fantasy football league is the one that I have with friends from college and we don't play for money, but the bragging rights are so much more valuable that even though my other leagues are for money, that's the one I care about the most. Absolutely. I 100% get that. That is one yeah. of the reasons I was so ridiculously invested in the pitcherless league this year. It's because mm-hmm. I needed those bragging rights. <laughs> right. And I mean I, I didn't win it, but I made the playoffs and I you know what? That's something I'm proud of. That that's enough for me. Fantastic. So yeah. I know we talked about this a little bit at the beginning, uh, with your favorite teams and whatnot. So you said mm-hmm. you're a Yankees fan, but you still got a soft yep. spot for the Rockies, the Padres. Um, yeah. Now across those teams, or I guess any other team, do you have a favorite all-time player? 
Well, I mean, I grew up in New York until I was 12 years old. So I grew up watching Derek Jeter and it's it's so stereotypical, but he will always be my favorite player because yeah, he was he was good, but he was never the best player on the field. It was the fact that he just went out there every day, did his job, he never ran his mouth. He always wanted to be on the field. And he was a good leader, and I, I just I respected that. Good call. And yeah, you know, yeah. This the the narrative has been said a million times, but yeah, it, it'll always be Derek Jeter for me. I still have my number two jersey in the closet that I will always treasure. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's legitimately a, wondering what's going to happen once he's eligible for the Hall of Fame. Which is next year? I it's either next year or the year after. I'm not sure, but uh, the 2014 season was his last season. So yeah, it would be after next season. I guess it would be then. Yeah. Yeah. So that that'll be interesting because, I mean, you look at his numbers and they're good. They're very good across the board. But there's nothing that's quite elite. No, um, I mean the fact that he got to 3,000 hits is one of the biggest it. things. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, five World Series. Yeah, that you know, yeah, he'll probably get in first ballot. I, yeah, I think it would be a shock to the entire baseball world if he doesn't. That's fair. I for, I had forgotten that he had the three thousand hits. Yeah, I thought he fell short. My that's my bad. I for, I had forgotten that. Uh, uh three thousand hits, and he got his three thousandth hit with a home run. I oh, yeah. still remember that day. Yeah, Derek Jeter. Where fantasy becomes reality. Yeah, so he's, he's my, my all-time favorite player. Um, let me see who I would even pick after. So I guess the pick I'll go after that, it's still a Yankee, but uh, I will go another Yankee captain in Thurman Munson. Ooh, oh, that's a good pick. So this, this actually is because he's my dad's favorite player, and I grew up hearing about him. Uh, so I don't know if you're too familiar with him here and there. Okay. Yeah. So he was Yankee captain in the late seventies, early eighties, and he was a huge family man and bought a plane and learned how to fly a plane so that he could fly home to Ohio on his off days and spend that time with his family. That's so cool. Which is just incredible until he had problems with the plane one time, was doing practice takeoffs and landings, crashed the plane and died in the middle of the season. Less cool. Less cool. And uh, the Yankees forfeited a game to go to his funeral. Very And then came back the next day, started the game with only eight players on the field with no one behind home plate. And in a very D. Gordon, Jose Fernandez-esque moment, his best friend Bobby Mercer, who was not a power hitter at all, hit the game-winning three-run home run in that game. And just – yeah, I've only heard stories of this because this happened in the 80s, but – Thurman Munson, he was a catcher. He was that old school brick wall. Like you can come at me, you can run through me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm gonna hold on to this ball. Man, yeah, it's and hard I, not I to just, be romantic about baseball. 
It is. Oh, it's it's my favorite sport. And, you know, I go through periods of like, oh, in the winter, I remember how much I love college basketball or I'll I'll watch football. I'm like, okay, this is fun. And then when March hits and spring training starts again, I'm like, oh, baseball's back. You know, there's a quote that I heard that I love that there's two seasons, baseball season and the void. <laughs> I've and heard, you I think fill I've heard the void with other things. <laughs> baseball and winter. You, you <laughs> fill the void with other things, but uh, when baseball comes back, it's just like everything's right in the world. Absolutely. See, for me, I don't follow any other sports. Legitimately, I've never had any interest okay. in any sport. <clears throat> Excuse me, any sport that's not baseball. So I just okay. fill the void with out-of-the-park baseball and prepping my rankings for March. That's fair. <laughs> no, no, that's that's very fair. I have a, a PS4, so I fill it with MLB The Show. Oh, boy. Yeah. Love it. All right, so outside of the baseball realm, uh, setting all the baseball stuff aside. Outside of the baseball realm. Exactly, there's an outside. Um what do you do for fun outside of the baseball realm? Do you have hobbies, uh, things like that? Do you do anything that you enjoy that's not baseball related? Well, I mean, ever since I, I started law school, hobbies have kind of fell to the wayside. It's all work, school, and sports. Yep. Uh, let's see. I mean, as I mentioned with the PS4, I'm a big gamer. It's – I mean, I – I have really fallen in love with some online games, not even for the sake of playing them, but because it's the easiest way for me to still hang out with friends who live in different places. So that's really nice. Uh, Over the last year, I picked up Dungeons and Dragons, which is... No, no, it's so much fun. Oh, no, I know it is. That's just a cliff, my friend. Oh, it really is. You get into it. It's so dangerous into it within a year i went from casually playing in one game to dming my own game yep that'll happen oh but i i would not trade it for anything (laughs) oh man that's awesome uh yeah so that's let's see what else do i do um uh, I'm a huge fan of trivia. I mean, I live here in New York, and there's trivia nights, I feel like, all the time. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I try and do that every once in a while. I did Harry Potter trivia last week, came in first place. Ah, boy. Yeah, that's that's a not-so-minor obsession of mine. Good. I can get behind that. Uh, yeah, I know almost everything about it. I actually just saw the play on Broadway for the second time last week. Condolences. Oh no! You you gotta see it. It's it's absolutely incredible. You're the first person I've heard to say it's good. Okay, I read the script and the script was terrible, and I hated everything about it. But then I won tickets in the lottery to go on opening night in April, and dude, I was crying. Okay, see, I okay, so I studied theater in school. I have a theater minor okay. in my undergraduate. So I am very, very familiar with um, the process of, you know, reading a script, not really getting it, but seeing the show and being like, oh, 
oh, that all makes sense. So I can, yes, I, 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 that was a lot of what I expected when the script came out, like as a book. Cause I think a lot of people picked it up and assumed it was going to be a novel, um, which it wasn't, it was never meant to be a novel. They, it was published as the script. Um, and right. And it's hard difficult to, to exactly because you can't quite picture it. I'll say this. The plot is still bad. <laughs> the, the plot is still bad, but it is a it is a work of art on stage. OK, so the, the problems are with the script, but you just kind of lose yourself in in the world of, of Harry Potter. And it's 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 gorgeous. Fantastic. I dig. Yeah, it. I I'll see it at some point. I'm sure. I'll get yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, you you better. The cast is leaving from Melbourne in March. I mean, there will be revivals of it. That's when I'm going to see it. Because again, yeah. if I can't yeah. afford a plane ticket to come to the picture list meetup, there's no way I'm going to be spending that kind of money on a Broadway <laughs> ticket. You know no, where my that's, priorities that's lie. Fair. <laughs> that's fair. I'm just glad I got to see it with the original West End cast. Fair. Yeah. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's pretty special. But that's that's about the bulk of my life. It's just school, work, baseball. What more do you need? You don't really need much more. Baseball <laughs> is very, very fulfilling. It was funny. I I went on a like a I went on a date a couple weeks ago and Yankees Red Sox was on and we were at a bar and I'm just like I'm trying to pay attention, but Yankees Red Sox is on. And uh, Jay Happ is pitching well, and I'm in the finals of my fantasy league, and I have Jay <laughs> Happ, and I'm sorry, but I really need to watch this. <laughs> she understood, but I mean, there there hasn't been a second date. Oh, <laughs> brutal! So my I, fiance, I mean, my, my relationship first and foremost is with baseball. <laughs> I love that, my fiance has kind of gotten to the point where she, she she's she's gotten to the point where of course she's accepted it and she knows this is never going away and that <laughs> uh, it's not a phase it's not a phase babe um she just she every once in a while she does have to tell me babe i don't want to hear about your fantasy league right now it's because we do Austin. I know I can talk to you guys about it now. Cause I do a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so when you're rolled over on the other side of the bed, looking at your phone in the middle of the night and giggling, it's you're not cheating. You, you're just talking about fantasy baseball. I'm just, I'm just, you know, joking about all the players that ought to have been good. Pitcher list is your other woman. Exactly. Speaking of players <laughs> that ought to have been good, last week uh, we looked at players who exceeded our expectations and we, we decided, you know, this guy looks like he's good. This guy, I don't know about that. This week we are looking at players who should have been good, but just didn't quite meet our expectations. Uh, so, right. So Dave and I here have each picked... Uh, at least one guy where they weren't good, but we are still believing in them. We think they're, they've got a good shot to be good next year. And we've got a couple where it was a rough year and we are kind of out. Uh, so, Mr. Chairman, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Tell us your player that disappointed you this year, but you are still in. Okay, so my pick is Josh Donaldson. And I... Th 
everyone knows why he had a bad year. He could not escape a lingering calf injury that kept him sidelined for pretty much the entire season. And it was really a lost year for him. It was very disappointing. You know, he was coming off a 33 homer season after shaking off injuries in the early part of last year. And I think it could be tempting for some people to say, look, he missed time last year and he missed most of the season this year. He's going to be 33 next season. He's done. But I'm just not ready to say that after 2015 through 2017, he had three straight 30 homer seasons. He still hit 270 last year with a 559 slugging. And that was in just 113 games, he hit 33 home runs. And I'm ready to just chalk this up as a lost year and move on. In the only ADP data that we have so far that Nick shared with me, he's going around 82 overall which is the eighth round, oh, seventh round of sure. drafts. And that that's just mind-blowing to me for someone who could go right back to being who he was and be a stud for your fantasy team again. I mean, yes, it depends somewhat on where he's going to go in free agency this year, but he's still a guy who's going to walk 10 to 15% of the time, as long as he's healthy, he's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to hit 260 to 270 at the lowest. And that's that's a huge fantasy asset in the seventh round of drafts. I do think that ADP is going to go up if he's healthy in the spring and he's playing well for a team that has high expectations. But as of right now, it's just baffling to me. Yeah. Um so I'm looking at his profile here, and it looks like across the board, it's pretty consistent with what he's done in the past. He's still got that 14% walk rate. He's still hitting the ball hard. He's got oh, his actually career highest hard hit rate this year, which is odd. Of course, it's a small sample, but um, he's striking out a bit more, but that's just, you know, he's he's not been able to have extended periods of time where he can get comfortable in the box. Um, exactly. So... Yeah, at that price, oh boy, I am all kinds of in. I do have one thing that does concern me a bit. Um, I saw him play this past week. I went up to Chicago and watched the Cleveland Indians play the Chicago White Sox. Um, And in that game, Donaldson made two fielding errors. Both of them were ugly to watch. I okay. he's had some issues over the past couple of years, even despite the injuries. He's had some issues the past couple of years, you know, manning third base. I'm wondering if he, uh, depending on where he lands and things like that, if he doesn't start to DH more, which of course would be good for his health probably, or if he doesn't get shifted over to first. Um, because I, I mean, that's that's possible. I don't know. It it, it doesn't really. Uh, dissuade me too much i mean if he's dh'ing yeah maybe he loses third base eligibility but as long as he's hitting i mean we've looked at nelson cruz in espn leagues has had only dh eligibility for years now yeah and it's not scaring us away from him but yeah donaldson has been a a less than stellar fielder this year i'm looking now he's never had negative UZR or DRS at third base in his career, though. Hmm. 
never in his career. So I attribute this year to the fact that maybe he's still not fully healthy, but they want his bat in the lineup. And yeah, that's going to come with some hits defensively. But as long as he's hitting the ball, I I just want to see him finish this year in the postseason on a high note offensively, come into next year healthy, and I'm going to snatch him up wherever I can. Sure. I'm very, very interested to see what exactly happens with him in the offseason. After last season's offseason where teams were waiting and waiting and waiting, especially with a player like this who has been injury-ridden for the past couple of years, I'm very, very interested to see how that goes. If he gets scooped up right away, I'm not sh- that would be okay. That's someone thinks he's healthy, but we won't really hear much more about his health. I don't think if he gets souped up right away. If he waits for a while, I think there's going to be a lot of dialogue about you know uh, this team is concerned about the calf. This team is concerned about the shoulder, whatnot. So yeah, and um, I would be surprised if he got snatched up early because he seems like the kind of guy that you know two years ago he was hoping for. A hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollar contract right now, but with the injuries, I don't think he's going to get offered that amount. Even though he feels that he probably still deserves fifteen to twenty million a year, it'll definitely be interesting. He's one of the more interesting cases in a beautiful, amazing off season that it's going to be this year. So, okay, I- so can we take a, a brief aside and where do you think? He, Machado, and Harper will end up next season. Uh, Machado, I'm going to put with the Yankees. Uh, Harper, I'm going to say, goes to the Phillies. Um, And Donaldson, gosh, who even needs a third baseman right now? Um, Hadn't thought about Donaldson much, actually. I'll say Donaldson heads over to... Oof. I'm struggling. Who's, who needs a third baseman and has money? St. Louis? Uh, the, the Yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah, I guess that might be the best spot. Unless, for whatever reason, the Yankees don't get Machado. Maybe they... I, that could be a kind of guy that they would go for. Donaldson, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to take the, uh, the bold move, and I'm going to... Put both Machado and Harper with the Phillies. Ooh. I think they're gonna go all out. Okay. Although, part of me thinks that that's not gonna happen because I have it in my head that they're gonna get Mike Trout because he's from South Jersey. Not in a trade, but when he becomes a free agent in two years. There's talk now that uh, the Angels want to make Trout a lifetime Angel by whatever means necessary. Yeah, I heard this crazy concept. I forget. I think it was Mark DeRosa saying the Angels, if they sign him to this lifetime contract, should basically sit him next season, give him like 50 to 100 games, and basically wait until 2020 when Otani's healthy. <laughs> I hate that. And yeah, that, that, that was my reaction. Like, what? You're going to waste a prime year just because you don't have Otani healthy? That tells me that... You just don't know what you're doing. You don't have a good long-term plan, and you're just scared. And why would someone like Trout, who's a competitor, want to just sit on the sidelines? Yeah, he's not doing that. The MLBPA would have a field day. Exactly. That's that's not happening. Yeah, just a ridiculous concept. But I – 
I think that Donaldson could end up with the Yankees partially because I just I've had enough with Miguel Andujar's defense. I so do don't you think they uh, move Andujar over to first. Actually, my my dream scenario would be uh, Gary Sanchez gets moved to first because Gary Sanchez might be the worst defensive catcher in baseball. Correct. Let Austin Romine catch every day. Okay. Switch Glaber Torres to shortstop, Didi to second, because Glaber just can't play second base. Correct. And Didi has a lot more time at second than Torres. And if Andujar can't figure out third base, try and trade him for a top flight starting pitcher if you can find one and install Donaldson or Machado at third base. What about Greg Bird? I, I'm done. I'm done with Bird. Oh, I think a lot of Yankees fans are. Yeah, I mean, because he's been given chance after chance after chance, and he's been outplayed by Luke Voigt this year. Oh. You think Luke Voigt uh, starts the wild card game? Yes. Oh, man. I mean, I, I do think it depends somewhat on who Oakland throws out there, but it's not like they have any starter that's going to go seven innings. No, their starter will so, go four innings. Exactly. So you don't need to game plan your starting lineup too much around the handedness of the starter. So even if it's a righty, I think I trust Luke Voigt more than Greg Bird at this point. Yeah. Okay, I can get behind that. Okay, so that was that was a, a huge aside. So that Josh Donaldson is the player that I do not expect to rebound, or, or sorry, who I do expect to rebound. Yes, and who you I'm do. The one you are still in yeah. on. Yes. Uh, for uh, me, and, yeah. For me, I have a couple here, um, and it's very similar cases for both of them. Uh, for me, the guys I like here are Cody Bellinger and Matt Olson. Um, both. Okay, so who do you want to talk about first? I'm gonna go with Bellinger. Um, you know, it's really, it's, it's a similar case for both of them though, where they had an impressive rookie year. Um, obviously Bellinger was huge all year. Matt Olson had that ridiculous streak, um, for those, what, 49 games or whatever he played. But I am a big believer that the sophomore slump is 100% real. Um, is real I is agree. a thing. Um, I would love to try and find some data on it. Maybe I'll try and pull that off this off season. Right. That, yeah, that's something I want to do this off season because I'm seeing Ronald Acuna being drafted in the second round, like late first, early second of drafts, and I'm just scared of the sophomore slump. But that that's that's an off season conversation. Let, let's keep going with Bellinger. Sure. So um, the thing about Bellinger is he's still his profile looks fairly similar as it did last year across the board. Um, mm -hmm. The things that I'm like, the big thing is his home run to fly ball rate is down to 15.2, which that's much too low for a guy who's hitting right. the ball as hard as he is pulling the ball as much as he is. Uh, his, his K rate and his swinging strike rate are actually both down. So he's actually improved his swing and miss a bit, which is good for any guy. Uh, the one thing I I do see that I don't like is his infield fly ball rate is up six points from eight point four to fourteen point six. I don't like that at all. Um, infield fly balls are essentially strikeouts; those are automatic outs almost every time. So, um, right, I don't like that even a little bit. However, 
I think he's just pushing a little bit this year. He, uh, guys got a better, you know, it's a sophomore slump. It's a whole thing. Uh, they get a better book on you. Uh, they adjust to you and then you kind of have to adjust to them. You end up pushing and then he's getting under the ball a bit. So I think, um, given, you know, an off season to figure out, okay, what are they doing differently to get me out? Um, what do I need to do to adjust? He's a smart baseball player in a smart organization. Um, he's very talented. He's young. I think he's going to be able to make some adjustments, and he's going to come back next year, um, looking closer to what we saw in his f- in his first year. Not all the way there, but I think it, that it's going to be closer to what we see next season than what we saw this season. Well, just one point on the twenty-five homer to fly ball dropping down to fifteen. There were there were only five players this year who had a twenty-five percent homer to fly ball rate. That's not a number that I think he's going to get back to. Sure, and unless he can make drastic changes to his ability to hit off-speed pitches. That was something we saw in the playoffs last year, and it was something that we saw throughout this year. His P-Val on uh, all off-speed pitches was down 2017 to 2018. True. So if he can make that improvement, then I'd be okay projecting him to come up more. And Again, I don't think he's going to get back to 39 home runs. I just don't think that's the type of hitter he is. I think that he's someone who's going to hit more in like 260 to 270 with pushing 30 homer power. Yeah, okay. Which yeah, which is still good and you know we love the the speed with it, you know, 13 stolen bases this year and he's played he's had one off day all season. Yeah. Which you know I I love to see and that might also be part of why he's down a little bit this year, you know, going through the grind of the entire season this year. But I, I just don't see the homer to fly ball rate coming all the way back up, maybe settling somewhere around 20%, which puts him at 30 home runs. So I, yeah, he, he could definitely improve. It's just, what are your expectations? I guess my expectations are somewhere around like a two sixty average. Um, Okay, that, say, that's what he's done in the majors so right, far. Exactly, and I think that's I think that is his true talent um, batting average there. Um, if we put the over under for home runs at thirty, I'll take the over next season. Um, I think I think he yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take the back. the slight under. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll put I want to put him right around like thirty two, thirty three ish next year. Um, I agree with you. I don't think the home run to fly ball rate is coming up to 25% again, but I would, I think 20 to 21 is reasonable uh, for how hard he hits the ball, the type of swing that he has, things like that. Um, his line drive rate and his ground ball rate both increased this season coming from his fly ball rate. His fly ball rate dropped from 47 to 39 this season. So right. The ground ball rate isn't concerning no. yet, right? About 40%. As long as it stays under 45, I'm not really concerned. Agreed. And honestly, what I would love to see next season, um, I would love it if he could bring the fly ball rate back up a little bit while maintaining the live line drive rate right about 20. Um, I love power hitters, but I really like line drive hitters. Uh, line drive hitters are going to be the ones that get you 
better average, they get on base more often, things like that. That's how you push up your BABIP. And it it shows. I mean, his BABIP did increase this year, about uh, 20 points. Yeah, 20 points here, um, which... Yeah, but that also we have to keep in mind the fact that he hit fewer home runs, and the home runs were not accounted into his BABIP last year. True, true. Um I don't know. I think people are going to be kind of down on him because they're going to feel like he he burned them this year. Because he was going in, what, the third round last season? Second round in a lot of leagues. Yeah. he People were like, yeah, this guy is real. He's totally legit. And they were expecting, you know, 30, even 40 homer power because he just hit 39 home runs. Well, now he only yeah. gave it 24, and I feel like a lot of people are going to feel burned. Um, so I think yeah. he's going to his draft stock is going to drop quite a bit, and I am all about that at first base because first base had a really down season this year overall, and I think that uh, you're going to be able to get a lot of first basemen for 2019 on kind of a discount. Um, and this is one. No, of that them here. that's fair. Joey Votto too is another guy who might come at a discount because of his perceived struggles this year yeah and i think anthony rizzo is dropping out of the second round for the first time in a long time this year Uh, definitely so it's gonna be it could be a very very interesting year at first base next season because i like i said i think we're gonna have a lot of guys that their stock does drop a little bit and we're gonna be able to get them at a discount um yeah on this, on a similar note, for that, for those Wait, first uh, base if I can discount. just, okay, if I can just toot my own horn really yeah, quick, yeah. I picked up Cody Bellinger in my home keeper league last year, and over the course of a, a little over a year, turned him into Jacob Degrom. I flipped him for Corey Kluber, and then used Kluber in a deal to get Jacob Degrom, and I'm very proud of myself for that. Wow. Uh, I know none of you can actually see what just happened there. I was mid-drink when he said he turned Cody Bellinger into DeGrom, and I had to stop and really think about, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so... that, not like not like a wizard <laughs> or anything. I didn't transform him. <laughs> but, uh, no, I that may be the reason why I won this year. Brilliant. Was, was... Okay, so now let, let's move on to the other uh, discount first baseman. Yeah, the other uh, sophomore slump discount first baseman. I've talked about Matt Olson a bunch on here, guys. You know I love Matt Olson. I owned him in all three of my leagues this year. It, he hits the ball so freaking hard. And he his home run to fly ball rate was 16.3 this year. That's not going to happen next year. I understand he hits in Oakland and it's a bad hitter's park. But he's got power that goes out in any ballpark. And I I legitimately would be surprised if he does not top 30 home runs next year. And I think the average is going to go up, too. I am all kinds of in on Matt Olson, and his price is dropping uh, for next season. And I'm going to draft him everywhere again. Um, I, I don't know. I love Matt Olson. Um, it's probably... It's probably clouding my vision a bit here. On I'm missing a couple things. Tell me what I'm missing here. I I don't know that you're missing anything. I would just argue with the the assertion that he disappointed this year. I mean, he was going around a hundredth overall, and I think that's about where he finished. You know, thirty homers, hitting two fifty. You know, 165 runs plus RBIs. I think this is about what people were expecting from him. I mean, I don't think you could have expected him to repeat last year's power. Sure. If if that's what you were hoping for, 
you know, the uh, 41% homer to fly ball rate, then you were out of your mind. Right. He definitely has the the upside to hit 35, 40. But, you know, in his first full season at 24 years old, this is about what I was expecting from him. In, in my eyes, he, he didn't disappoint. He did about what I was expecting. And, yeah, the, the homer to fly ball rate could go up a little bit, maybe settle around 20 to 22 percent, which maybe gets him from 29 to 34 or 35. And maybe he gets a little bit more fanfare being a 35 homer guy than a 30. But this is about what I was expecting. Low average, high power. Yeah. I Another thing that I really liked about what he did this year, um, he hit 33 doubles and increased his line drive rate. I, I, I keep saying that. He increased his line drive rate up from 15.9 to 20.9. So uh, with without really dropping his fly ball rate. So as a power hitter, I want him to keep that fly ball rate over 40% there, which he's at 43. That's good. But he also increases line drive rate, which is awesome. Um, I love that. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a really good play in um, points leagues, especially next year, as like a homer and a double guy with, that also walks. So, I... Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, I, I do think he'll get better. I I do question the upside because you mentioned Oko Coliseum and how bad of a hitter's park that is. Like Chris Davis hits the ball harder than almost anyone in baseball, and he was at 24% for this year. So I think that's the homer to fly ball ceiling for Olsen. Chris Davis with a 49% hard hit rate, which is just absurd. Yeah. So I, I do think Olsen settled somewhere around 21% homer to fly ball, which is good. And, it'll, yeah, it'll get it up. But I don't think he'll ever be a 40 to 45 homer guy unless he makes some other changes to his profile. How dare you? I, I'm sorry. I, I like him. I just I'm, – I'm not in love with him the same way you are. I'm sorry, Austin. It's, it's okay. We can't, uh, we can't all be enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, we're going to keep on rolling here. So let's talk about the guys that we are out on. I'll go ahead and leave this one off. I, I am not going to draft any Marcelo Zuna next year. It's not happening. I am out. I don't care where the price is. I will take someone else. Marcelo Zuna will not be on any of my teams next year because, yeah, I understand he's been injured this year. I I understand. He's been injured all year. The thing is, they never stopped playing him. So I don't know if he's going to be injured coming into next season. Even in full off season, I don't know if that's going to be enough to like keep him healthy. They kept playing him throughout the year. You could see by the numbers on his uh, StatCast throws how strong his throws were. He's one of the worst arms in the outfield because his shoulder is basically ready to fall off. Mm -hmm. If you add that into the St. Louis outfield log jam, you know, Jose Martinez is not a first baseman. They've been playing him in right field recently, um, which is a good place for him. Um, Maybe they trade him. Maybe they don't. He probably should be a DH, but um, his, he's got a great bat. They're, I think they want his bat in the lineup, but they can't put him at first because he's a liability there. 
Um, <clears throat> Harrison Bader, <clears throat> excuse me, folks. I am all kinds of clogged up this morning for whatever reason. Excuse me. Uh, Harrison Bader, I think, has solidified his spot in center field. Uh, he's looked solid this year, plays elite defense, uh, very speedy. I like Her I like Bader a lot as kind of a sleeper for next season. Um, but Dexter Fowler still exists. Uh, he's going to come back next season. Tyler O'Neill still exists. So they're just going to throw him back down in AAA? I don't know. Where, what's going to happen with who's playing where? That's my question. Oh, that's that's fair. The the positive there is Ozuna only has one more year in St. Louis. He only has one more year of team control before he's gone. So theoretically, I could see I don't know, a patchwork outfield trying to get at bats for everyone for just one more year. And then he's gone and then you can fully unleash Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader and everyone in that outfield. I. I do want to take a second, and I, I have a little bit of a problem with the won't take Ozuna at any price. If he falls to you in the 20th round of a draft, you're not going to take him? I'll take him at that point. See, but I, I, yeah. I mean, well, you, he's not going to. Like, I, I, he's I, I not was, going to. I was being a but, bit facetious. I, that's, that's fair. Uh, okay. Okay. Because I do think that there can be a misconception in the fantasy world when we say that I don't like this guy or I'm down on this guy or I don't want to to draft this guy, meaning that I would not put him on any team no matter what. But I think more often it just means I don't like his ADP. Sure. That's fair. Right. Um, so I just – I want more people to understand that I don't like this guy just means I don't like his ADP. Right. I hate D.D. Gregorius as a fantasy player. And I'll never end up with him on my team just because I'm not going to draft him at his ADP. Right. I think uh, I think there's no way he falls out of the top ten rounds, um, and in, I won't take him if he's in the tenth round. I don't think mm -hmm. I think there's better options there. Even like, he, and the thing is, looking at his final season line, it's not that bad. Uh, he still hit two eighty this 280, year. Two eighty, twenty three homers, eighty eight ribbies. But after last season's, you know, 312 and 37 homers, I think people were expecting, hey, there's the breakout. We got him. Here's the breakout. Well, yeah, he's been injured all season. I'm just, I don't like his current situation. I don't like uh, the fact that they really never gave him time to get right. Um, St. Louis has got a lot of weird stuff going on right now. They're, they're in a very transitionary period as far as they're, you know, they've got a new manager and everything. We're, Hard to, it's going to be hard to say who's going to be the manager next season. I I just don't want to be a part of this. That That's fair. Oh, I, I can't blame you too much. I never really bought in on the breakout last year. I, I don't love his ground ball rate. I thought the homer to fly ball rate didn't really make sense with his hard hit rate. I thought the homers were going to come down and I mean, they did. I just I thought he'd have a better slugging percentage than this. I thought it would be a, a little bit better, but this is kind of in line with his 2016 season. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is just who he is, and yeah, depending on his ADP, as as we come into the spring, I'll have to see whether or not I I want him. But if it's anywhere close to his 2018 ADP, then I think like you, he's just not going to end up on my team. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, 
I'm sure if I took a really deep dive on him, I'd find something that would give me some hope. But I just, I don't, I think he's going to be a headache next year. I think unless they trade him, which like you said, he's only got one more year on that deal. So that he might be trade bait. Someone might take a shot on him, I guess. But unless they trade him, I don't think he's going to get regular playing time. I don't think that the time he does have on the field is going to be elite. And because of that, Mm -hmm. I just don't want to have to deal with that. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly understand. Yeah. So what about you? Who are you, uh, who are you looking at at this point of the season that you're just not, not interested in next season? So this guy really upset me because I had a bold prediction about him uh, coming into this year, and it's Carlos Correa. I had a bold prediction that Carlos Correa would put together the best fantasy season by a shortstop since Alex Rodriguez with the Rangers. (laughs) You're very close on that one. Very close. Yeah, if close meant far away. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I think I just got the names wrong. I meant Francisco Lindor. <laughs> A common yeah. misconception. But, Those are actually two separate players. Are they? Huh. <laughs> I'll be. <laughs> no, the, the reason I'm down on Correa is purely – it's not because of, you know – Injuries missed over multiple seasons. It's because it's a back injury. And those scare me so much. It's the same reason that I'm scared of Clayton Kershaw over the next few years, that back injuries can linger so much more than other types of injuries. And this is purely speculative that if he is completely healthy in March and he's playing every day and there's no concerns, I won't have any either. But as of right now, I'm just worried that that's something that's going to linger, that that's something that he's going to continue to miss some time with, that it's just going to continue to nag him, that at shortstop where you need more mobility than almost any other position, it's going to limit it, that it's going to limit his power drawing from the lower half if he can't get the right rotation because of some nagging pain in his back. It's I've just seen too many guys go down with those injuries and never quite be the same. Sure. So question for you. Would it help uh, your perception of him going into next season if the Astros were to announce, um, you know, before the season starts that Alex Bregman will be the starting shortstop and Carlos Correa is shifting to third? Maybe because there's less mobility required at third base, but I, that might actually concern me more because it tells me they don't think his back is fully healthy enough to play shortstop. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's, he's had such a strange year. Um, I feel so bad for anyone who drafted him this year because you know, they got him in the second, maybe even first round. And well, yeah, in our uh, pitcher list mock draft last uh, November, I took him in the first round. Yeah. I'm not proud of that. I mean, it was a good pick at the time. It, it was. Yeah, it it didn't work out. That, that's no. that's another gripe I have with uh, fantasy as a whole that I think too many people conflate results with the success of the fantasy prediction 
like so many people could look at that pick and be like, oh, well, Correa was terrible. You made a horrible pick. But how could we have known that this was going to happen? You couldn't. And that's the thing. Like, I was looking back at my bull predictions. I was looking back at my uh, guys that I loved and guys that I hated. We had those articles posted in March. And I was thinking, man, at the time, that saying the Mets were going to finish fourth, that was very bold. That was a bold prediction because they were only a year removed from the World Series. They still had, you know, DeGrom, Harvey, and Syndergaard. Syndergaard. And so they they were looking like they were going to compete with the Nationals for an NL East title. LOL. Um but now I say, I say, yeah, my bold prediction was that the Mets have finished fourth and everyone goes, well, yeah, duh. But at the time it was very, it was actually a pretty bold pick. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously it worked out in a weird way where the nationals also were not um, like the front runner anyway. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I agree. Too many people, can't separate what we were thinking six months ago with what actually happened um Mm -hmm. which is which as an analyst can be frustrating um but you i think the thing is you just have to keep working with your processes learn learn exactly things like Like i I saw something about two weeks ago you remember when tyler glass now had that start against the blue jays where he got absolutely lit up oh he was on my team i remember right so people were recommending him as a streamer for that week. And I saw so many comments on Reddit, people saying, you've lost all credibility because you recommended Glass now. Seriously? Glass now was dominating coming into that. Everything suggested it was going to be a good start. We're not in control of how they can actually perform. We just kind of read the tea leaves and give our, our best predictions. But sometimes it just doesn't work out yeah if i remember correctly he had just uh pitched well against uh the indians Uh, yeah he had just dominated the indians which is obviously a much better offense than toronto it just that's how it goes sometimes and since then he's been very good i love glass now i'm i he's he's gonna be a top 50 starting pitcher for me in my rankings for sure Oh, I, I think so. I mean, I was in love with him as a prospect in, in Pittsburgh, and it's it's sad that he was never able to figure it out there. But I do think he's someone who's going to be very, very hyped coming into this year. Yeah. I, to 2019, I should say. As soon as he got traded to Tampa, I was like, oh, boy. I picked him up right away, and he really did help me uh, win that Prodigy League championship. He was... Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, my friend. I am still kind of riding high on that one. It's the only league that I won this year, despite making the playoffs in all three of my leagues, humble brag. Um, so it, I was very proud. It's going to be great. Uh, congratulations to you. I almost forgot. Congratulations to you for winning um, the Community Channel Family Feud yesterday. hey <laughs> If anyone knows jersey sales, it's this guy. So, for those of you who are not in our Pitcherless community channel, you should be. What are you doing? You should be. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We play things like Family Feud every once in a while. Who was it? Yeah. Uh, Dan Berman, Dan. was it? Dan, yeah. Yeah, he, put, he uh, got together 
He found a list of um, best jersey sales, and we got a game of Family Feud going in our in our channel there. So, if you are someone who loves what we're doing on the site, wants to support us, um, one of our rewards uh, at Patreon.com/slash/PitcherList is you can join our Discord server where you can hang out with uh, all of the staff and the QB list staff as well. Um, and you can come hang on us 24 hours. There's like a spend the off season with us. It's going to get weird. It's going to get so weird. I'm so excited. There's like 150 of us in there now. It's a great time. Uh, we we are. And yeah, I I love the off season because there's so much speculation. Oh man. That's the, that's the best part about the off season is the speculation of this. Who, where's this guy going to sign? What's this guy going to do next season? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then you'll have people that'll completely disagree on some guy. I'm so excited to get into arguments over why uh, Armand Marquez is not a top 20 pitcher. Um, so get ready be, for because that. Because you, you're saying he is one? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, Armand good. Marquez is going to be in my top 20 starting pitching. Um, he gives me cartoon heart eyes. Yes, correct. Like, that... Uh, the, the my, my reaction every time I watch Iman Marquez pitch is in, in emojis. It's the hard eyes emoji um, and the money mouth emoji. It's also kind of the eggplant emoji. Whoa, man. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Hey, Herman Marquez. Love him. All right, so recapping what we just went over there. So the guys that disappointed us this season uh, that we are still in on, we think they're going to come back and look good next season. Uh, Dave likes Josh Donaldson. I am still in on Cody Bellinger and Matt Olson. The guys we're out on. I really don't want any part of Marcelo Zuna, and Dave is oh so frustrated with Carlos Correa and his back injuries. So there you go. That's a great discussion there. Plenty of tangents along the way. Let's go ahead and finish out the show with our questions here. So I've got some questions for you that we got mostly from our community channel. Like I said, join us there. But you can also send us your questions by email at community at pitcherlist.com or you can tweet to me directly at Bristowski. So let's go ahead and jump on into it. So Adam Garland, our uh, prospect specialist on the staff, wants to know if there's any skill sets that you've learned or developed from your work with PitcherList that you can or have taken to your law career. Hmm. Because I, I can think of how my law career has helped PitcherList because it has taught me to argue in a, a different way and formulate arguments in a different way. But I think PitcherList has taught me to deal with changing circumstances in my argument because every day there's more stats, every day new things are happening, and the entirety of your argument can change in just a few days if uh, if you're not paying attention, if you're falling behind. So I, I guess – that's what I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. I dig that. Yeah. Another great question. Um, I think I'm just going to have to start adding this to the questions at the top of the show. Uh, what article that you've written, are there any, any specific articles, like a series, or any one that you can think of that you are most proud of? Most proud of? It's funny because it was received so poorly when it was first released. But I'm going to go my going deep piece on Didi Gregorius 
at the start of April this year. <clears throat> so it started when I was just looking through Xstats, as I do. As you do. And yeah, just bored one day perusing Xstats. That's actually how most of my articles come out. I don't have as many going deep pieces as I feel like a lot of writers because I, I just need to find the inspiration for a piece. And I saw that Didi had really, really bad Xstats numbers for the last couple of years and nothing really made sense about it. So I reached out to Andrew Perpetua and I asked him, you know, what could be going on here? And he just said, I, I don't know. Doesn't make sense. I reached out to Nick and Ben Palmer and Alex Fast. Just, hey, guys, what am I missing here? Nothing about this makes sense. Nothing about his power makes sense. And no one was able to give me an answer. So I wrote about 3,000 words using GIFs, tables, basically saying Didi's power doesn't make sense and released it in the first week of this season. And the day that I released it, he hit two home runs. And he ended up hitting, I believe, 11 home runs in April. That sounds right. It's something crazy like that. And since then, he has been the Didi Gregorius that I expected. So at, at the time, I felt like a fool. And everyone on Twitter, I was getting laughed at. Although I, I'm very proud of the fact I got uh, retweeted by Jared Carabas of Barstool, who yeah. I hate, but I, I also love the the recognition there. There you go. Yeah, because he's just moving on. Moving uh, on. Trying, <laughs> Good yeah, call. I'm trying to find uh, the stat that I tweeted out the other day about Didi. If I can find it real quick here. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't. Okay. Since April 28th, which was the day after his 11th home run, Didi's hitting 244 with a 387 slugging with 10 home runs. This was about a month ago, and I think he's hit one more since then. But after the month of April, I think 11 home runs. And that's the power that I expect from Didi, maybe 10 to 15. And people are looking at this year and they're going to look at the entirety of the season and say, well, he hit 27 home runs and 25 last year, 20 the year before that. Yeah. He's someone who could push for 30 home runs. It still doesn't make sense. Yep. And Actually, Didi fueled the other piece that I'm really proud of, and that was my plate discipline article earlier this year where I did a full statistical breakdown using the plate discipline metrics to see which of those fan graphs metrics actually has some forecasting ability for strikeout and walk rate. Because earlier this year, Didi was walking at like a – 15% rate and people were saying oh my god he's added plate discipline suddenly he has patience at the plate and I was watching it and just that didn't feel right it wasn't tr it didn't seem true so because he still had the same amount of pitches per plate appearance he still was swinging at the same amount of first pitches and I did this entire breakdown just 
because I didn't trust Didi Gregorius. I remember that one. That was a great piece. Thank you. So he is the bane of my fantasy analyst existence. Huh. And the the hard hit rate is up this year, but I'm going to be doing another breakdown on Didi this offseason, kind of a follow-up to that piece. But I, I think that's probably the, the crowning jewel in my uh, fantasy analysis uh, jewelry box. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about you? Would, would it be your S-Bot article? Yeah. At this point, my, my favorite is still the Spot article, um, which I am going to be doing a follow-up with Spot. I'm, I, I might I, I might have gotten access to some more data um, on uh, situational data where I can actually see if a guy is on first base without anyone in front of him, things like that, which... Because the, the whole thing with spot, which for those of you who are unfamiliar with that, is a stat, is a stat that I created um, this season. Uh, it's stolen base, stolen base opportunities taken. Uh, it looks at um, how many times when a guy has the opportunity to steal a base, does he actually attempt? Um, because it's, it's, it's meant to look at intent of stealing bases, which I wholeheartedly believe is one of the biggest factors in stolen bases is if a guy wants to. Um, and there's some issues with it right now because it doesn't account for situational things, but I think I found where that data is and I can now account that and use that in the spot um, formula. So that should make it much, much, much more accurate uh, and much more useful in looking at who is running and uh, who wants to be running and things like that. I would harbor a guess that Adalberto Mondesi would be a darling in spot. I haven't looked at it very recently. I'm going to have to see that. I'm going to guess he will be as well. Right. It just feels like he's running at every single opportunity. But that, that was a great article. And that actually was really helpful because just about a week or two before that, <clears throat> John Metzler and I were talking about Jose Altuve and his stolen bases being down. And then I wasn't there for a week and he got to have you on to discuss that right. article. It was just perfect timing. Yeah, because yeah, uh, <clears throat> at the time, Altuve's spot was about 100 points lower than it had been the season before, which is, in in terms of that stat, is very, uh, very significant. So it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's he's not running when he's on base. He's not taking the opportunities mm -hmm. For whatever reason, and whether it's his choice or it's a uh, organizational thing, it's hard to say. But uh, I, w I really want to get that to the point where it's useful and we can look at it as a like predictive stat of, oh, this guy is now choosing to run more often. He's getting the whenever he has the opportunity, he is taking it uh, because I again, stolen bases are one of my favorite things especially in terms of fantasy because you know in like we were talking about in that standard categories league they're so valuable and now they're so rare so i think any kind of advantage we can have in finding and predicting stolen bases is going to be super duper useful mm -hmm. so that's that's my most uh the one i'm most proud of but uh, uh yeah. love it love it good times so we're going to go at this point uh, to a question from Floor the Lion. 
he was asking us just before the show started, he was asking us about Chris Davis, who is about to lose his outfield eligibility next season because he only played 11 games in the outfield. So at most, I believe that's all, if not most, um, systems that's going to mean he Yahoo. He'll still have it. Yahoo. He will. Okay. I mean, even if he never played another game in the field, he would keep it in Yahoo because they don't have DH eligibility. Oh, that's interesting. See, I don't. Yeah, so they'll give it to the position that you have played the most. Nelson Cruz still has outfield eligibility in Yahoo. I didn't realize that. I don't play in any Yahoo leagues. I'm oh, okay. Well, this... hey, you're putting out an article on positional eligibility. Yeah, you got to know these. I'm things. gonna. I'm gonna. I'm working on that. I've got to go ahead and. Uh, I was gonna look up and see what the other rules were and go from there today. Actually, that's what I'm doing this afternoon. Instead, okay. of, instead of being at the meetup, I'm going to be writing that article. So, yeah, I do have to know these things. That's very important. Okay, so <laughs> everywhere else, though, um, Fantrax, I believe, is, is very similar to ESPN. Right. And then CBS is a little wonky, but I think he still loses it. Um, right. He's just going to be DH only. So Floor the Lion wants to know, has does he basically become a younger Nelson Cruz, i.e. a DH only player that is going to be taken within the top 50 picks? And I mean, I I see the comparison there. It's it's very tempting because both are are power hitters, both play in the AL West, both are basically full time DHs now. The thing is, Nelson Cruz has typically given us a much better average than Chris Davis. I mean, this year he's hitting two fifty nine, but before that, two eighty eight, two eighty seven, three oh two. He's typically a much better average hitter while giving us 40 home runs each of those years. So I see him as kind of a uh, low average Nelson Cruz, and that's something I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Um, Because he's going to – every year he's going to hit 247. That's all he does. He only ever – He's at it again. I really want it. For those who don't know, 2015, 16, and 17, he finished at 247, and he's there right now. It's so satisfying to look at his page right now because you go to you go and it says 247, 247, 247, 247. It's amazing. I want it so bad for him to finish with a 247 average. You can't get home field. Just sit him for two games, please. Oh, my gosh. I want it so bad because it would be one of the most amazing random baseball stats of all time. It would be up there with my other favorite one of Adrian Beltre. Oh? Oh, yeah. Adrian Beltre has stolen exactly one base each of the last eight years. (laughs) He steals the base. All right. Got that out of the way. 2011 through 2018, every single year, one stolen base. He's a goofy enough dude that he might legitimately do it and then say, well, done that. No more <laughs> attempting stolen bases for the year. Yeah, well, I think we may have seen the last of Adrian Beltre, so I think it's going to end at eight years. It, it might. He, I could see him getting signed on with someone else, though. Yeah, just uh, the Rangers did this whole ceremony that it seemed like they were sending him off into the sunset. Hmm. We'll have to see. Gonna put him down. 
Oh, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit there. I lost that bit. Uh, <laughs> never mind. It just seems like we may have seen the last of him, but I hope not. But as he he's going to be 40 years old next season, it wouldn't surprise me if he calls it quits. Sure. He's got a Hall of Fame career. Oh, he's first ballot 100%. Wait, you say he's first ballot 100%, but Derek Jeter's only probably? Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Check yourself, Bristowski. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm bad at Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't keep track nearly close enough. All right. So we we determined that we were going to do this right before we started recording. And I'm super excited about this. So what we're going to do, um, I am going to say the name of a playoff bound or playoff hopeful team. And Dave is going to tell me how he feels about them in 30 seconds or less. Just how he feels about the team, how he feels about the playoff chances, how, whatever you want to say. Uh, talk about some of the players. You get 30 seconds. I'll, and I will start a timer here as we go along. So give me just one moment to get that pulled up, and we will be all kinds of set. I'm very excited for this. It's going to be great. <laughs> all right. I am ready. All right. So we will start off. We'll start with uh, your team. We may as well start with the New York Yankees. So your 30-second start, go. The Yankees can outpower any team. The question is with their starting pitching. They have one starting pitcher that they can rely on, and it's J.A. Happ. And if they're facing a righty-heavy lineup, I'm not even really confident in that. If they can be tied with the team through six innings, I feel as good about their bullpen as any team. The big question with the offense is can they get enough guys on base where the homers are efficient? Well done. Uh, their opponent in the AL wildcard game, the Oakland A's, go. Match up with the Yankees a lot better than people realize. Their offense is awesome, and their bullpen might be better than the Yankees. Their starting pitching is full of question marks, but we might see a false start bullpen opener in the playoffs with them, and that scares me. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Um, the Yankees' rival, Boston Red Sox. Ready? Go. As prepared for a deep playoff run as anyone, I don't think there's many question marks about their pitching or their offense. Just who do you trust in the bullpen outside of Craig Kimbrell? Maybe Stephen Wright? But if the starting rotation falters on a given day, that team is vulnerable. Good observation, actually. Uh, let's go ahead with uh, the Cleveland Indians. Go. Everyone is healthy at the right time. Cody Allen's pitching well. Andrew Miller is pitching well. That team is scarier than I think a lot of people realize because their win-loss record doesn't look good. But if Donaldson's healthy, that team is as good as anyone in baseball. Their matchup for the ALDS, the Houston Astros. Go. They've been overshadowed by the Red Sox, but... Man, are they still scary. That starting rotation is the best in baseball, and I do not want to get matched up against them. They do have some question marks, I guess, in the bullpen, but Ozuna has shored that up. Just how are you going to score enough to beat them? Good one. All right, let's move over to the National League. We'll look at the top team first, the Chicago Cubs. Go. They have been forgotten since winning the World Series, but Lester's pitching well. The I mean, the bullpen looks 
decent. There's it's full of question marks though. Will the offense be able to carry them? That's the big question. I think it can, but it's definitely a question mark. I 100% agree. Uh, talk about my Atlanta Braves here. Ready? Go. I'm so excited to see what this team can do. I don't have the highest expectations. The offense is good. The bullpen, like the Cubs, full of question marks. The starting rotation is good, but can but inconsistent. Can they live up to their potential? Can it carry them through without a stopper in the bullpen? Solid. The Braves hopeful uh, matchup in the NLDS, the Colorado Rockies. Go. Like the previous two teams, the bullpen is full of question marks. The rotation has been awesome. The offense is good. Can Adam Adovino and Wade Davis hold down leads for the Rockies? If so, I think the Rockies could make the World Series. They're as good as any team in the National League. I dig it. The National League is going to be so much fun this year. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Ready? Go. Well, I mean, Christian Yelich might be the MVP, and he's put that team on his back in the second half. And that also scares me because the offense has struggled around him. Aguiar has not been as good. The rotation has question marks. They're a bullpen-heavy team like the A's that if they can get you into the sixth, seventh inning in a tie game, it's going to be hard to beat them. 100% agree. And last but not least, let's talk about the... Uh, LA Dodgers I really hope the Dodgers don't win just because it would be hilarious if they don't make the playoffs and they have question marks in the bullpen like a lot of other teams in the National League Henley Jensen's been inconsistent who else do they have surrounding him the offense is good the rotation's good but they might be in trouble if they get into the late innings I love it that was a lot of fun that that was very fun. I guess uh, you don't think the Cardinals have any shot anymore. Uh they are. If they their elimination number four, the wild card is at one. So if either the Dodgers win today or they lose, or the Cardinals lose today, they're out. I mean, I am still praying that we end up with the mayhem of Rockies, Dodgers, and Cardinals tied. Because if all three of them tie, then we get an NL West play-in game on Monday. Then we get a second wildcard spot play-in game on Tuesday, which pushes the NL wildcard game to Wednesday. That is amazing. That would be incredible. That that would be fantastic. My gosh, the playoffs are going to be so fun this year. Yeah. There are three super teams in the AL. The athletics are gonna challenge legitimately anyone they play against they don't mm-hmm. don't sleep on the athletics um the braves are fun and dynamic the rockies are fun and dynamic even the the brewers could uh, surprise mm-hmm. a lot of folks i'm so so excited for the playoffs. oh it's gonna year. be so much fun as we get close let, let me ask you uh, a question what is your favorite playoff moment as a fan that you remember uh for me, I, I've talked about this before on the pod, but it's still got to be the 2016 World Series championship for the Cubs. Um, yeah, that Game 7 was probably one of the best games I've ever watched. It, I think it is the best game I've ever seen. Um, I, I've said it before, but I still... I, I, I was rooting for the Cubs hardcore. Um, I was a Cubs fan when I was younger. Um, 
I was had I was actually transitioned into being a Braves fan by my father along the line. Um, so the Cubs are still I'm I still they're probably my second favorite team. Um, anytime, okay. Anytime That's they're fair. not playing the Braves, I'm I'm rooting for the Cubs to win. Um, so I was all in on their bandwagon, and I do not remember seeing uh, Anthony Rizzo catch the ball that Chris Bryant threw to him to end the game. Uh, of course, I've seen it on replay a ton, but I do not actually remember mm-hmm. it happening because I was already jumping out of my uh, jumping out of my seat in my couch in my dorm room and running down the stairs to the, to celebrate on the quad. Oh, that's that's very fair. Uh, I have to go back to 2003, so I was 10 years old, and uh, the Yankees and Red Sox were in Game Seven of the ALCS. And it was a school night and my dad let me stay up late to watch the game because it was now like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. <clears throat> and that was back when Pedro was probably still the best pitcher in the American League. And yeah, he got left in there just a little bit later than he should and got lit up, went to the 14th inning. And I still have very vivid memories as a 10 year old kid of sitting next to my dad on the couch and watching Aaron Boone go yard off of Tim Wakefield. That just, it's hard not to be romantic about baseball. You know, a father and son sitting on the couch, just making an exception. You don't have to go to bed. You can watch this with me. And I'll, I'll always treasure that moment. Yeah. My dad uh, has told a story and I've told a story on here before, but it's worth telling again. Uh, my dad always tells me that I did actually stay up to watch the 1995 World Series um, win for the Atlanta Braves. I was he was watching it, sitting on his recliner, watching the last few outs, and I was an infant laying on his chest. <laughs> I was born in August of '95, so in October '95, I was obviously only a few months old. Um, I was laying on his chest, and he says I was awake, intently staring at the screen. Um, while the Braves finished it off and he didn't want to like disturb me or anything. So the final out goes and he's like, yes. (laughs) So, Oh God, I love baseball. Don't we all? (laughs) That's, that's one of the great things about this podcast is we can talk about these kind of things and we can, we can give analysis and we can tell our stories and things like that. And I just, I am really loving being able to do this. So thank you once again to Nick Pollock and everyone out there who keeps listening, uh, all of the people who are supporting us on Patreon and just reading our stuff. Um, Thank you so much for allowing me to have this opportunity. I love it, and I love doing it. I have to echo that sentiment completely. This this is a dream come true. It is. So uh, you have any closing thoughts for me? Oh, I I think that wraps it up. I wish the best of luck to your Braves, even though I'm rooting for the Rockies in the National League. I appreciate it. It's gonna be if it's the if it is the Braves and the Rockies, oh my gosh, that's gonna be so much fun. So fun. E- either way, we're in for a wild ride. It's gonna be a great postseason. Oh man. It's gonna be awesome. I it has been a while since we have seen the tomahawk chop in postseason form. That is going to be so wild. Yeah, SunTrust is going to be in, insane. Rocking, man. All right, one more time. Give me that uh, Twitter handle. 
It is at Dave Chairman. Fantastic. Straightforward to the point. I think that's going to wrap it up for us. All right. We had a nice long cast today. It was a lot of fun. I love it. It was a great time. So I'm your host, Austin Bristow. And for myself and my guest here, Dave Sherman, this has been On The List.